0: hey how's it going this is psychotronicast and i know we sound weird but this is the only time we're going to sound like this hopefully my name is alec berg and joining me as always is derek estes you can and you should subscribe to us on instagram and any podcast platform that you're listening to this on we also have a website psychotronicast.com you can find our backlog and our two short films that we made um it also point you to our Patreon. For five dollars a month, you can get a bunch of bonus episodes that we've done, and we're now doing new episode, Patreon episodes since we have a patron. Woohoo! And we would like some more, so please come on down. Uh, this week, we on the Patreon, we will be doing all the Nicolas Cage movies that we didn't do in the Nicolas Cage series um, that we're concluding tonight. So if you want more Rage Cage, head on over to the Patreon and. Uh, get going with it all right so without further ado i'm gonna close out the cage series with a little movie called drive angry from 2011 i first saw this movie high as shit on mushrooms with my buddy in our old apartment and i was completely enthralled jaw on the floor i can't believe what i'm watching what the fuck is this but i was also on a lot of mushrooms um but I, I remembered enough of it to think that this would be a good episode to talk about because you get that late-period cage, uh, crazy, psychotronic kind of circuit. But this was the last big, big budget movie that he did with a budget of $50 million. All right, so is the editing good? No. Uh, are the action sequences confusing? Yes. Is the CGI atrocious? You betcha. Is the story good? Eh then why do I like this movie so much? Because it's the perfect movie I would love to see in a drive-in in in 3D. It knows what it is. It's got great psychotronic performances, muscle cars, hot, tough chicks, a good bad guy, a great comic relief, a toned-down cage with an interesting hair choice. It's crude enough. It's white trash enough. It's an awesomely bad movie, and everyone in it knows it but they're not doing that stupid winking at the camera thing. Okay, well, maybe William Fitchner is, who plays the accountant, but it still works for me. I don't know. Derek, thoughts? Drive angry?
1: (laughs) And on that note, we're done. No, uh, I agree. Well, it's funny. So, um, yeah, like, I really knew, like, nothing about this movie. Uh, Though it's funny because, what is his name now? I should have it up. Uh, The director. The only movie of his that I've seen is actually his... 3D remake, you know, sequel to My Bloody Valentine, which I loved in the theater, and I I did get to see that in 3D. I think I may mean, have even gone to see it twice. Um, and same sort of sort of thing. Uh, this movie, I think I totally, I gave it a thumbs up too. Like, uh, it was totally fun. Well, it's funny because, first of all, not knowing anything about it, I was really shocked at how much... It uh, was playing off of so many different movies that we've already talked about. Um, obviously, one of the points of reference are all of those Satanic Panic muscle car movies. Yes. Like, there's legit, there's straight up, like, references to Race the Devil. There's even the Winnebago in it. Uh, you know, like, the crazy, like, the wild Satanist. You also have, like, the super over-the-top references to uh, Paradise Lost, mm-hmm. uh, just like the devil's advocate. And, just like Devil's Advocate, we have another character named Milton. Yep. Uh, Actually, it's the exact Martin. same
0: character name. John Milton was
1: Al Pacino's full name in the movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so the reference yeah, to Milton, like the the poet who wrote Paradise Lost, and so it's all these like we the seem yeah with that movie. And these movies are so totally different. Um, but even like his version of My Bloody Valentine, which I think he really gets just like the kind of like good trashy fun. Like actually someone in one of the letterbox reviews I was looking at, someone mentioned that this would have been uh, the perfect second feature for Grindhouse. And even though I like uh, death proof, I totally agree. I think that you could have just slipped this right in there because it has all of those kinds of like super Grindhousey things in it. And it's just totally just having just, you know, trashy burnout, Southern fried fun with it. Um, and I just totally liked it. Also, you have, uh, oh, fuck, not my, my notes. Um, what's her name? Uh, Amber Heard. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Hi, uh, uh, also, like, from, uh, you know, we've just done Mad- Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> just all these little things that just kept popping up. And then also we get Tom Adkins. Um, oh, yeah. Which is always a bonus. Um, there's so much like the action scenes in this movie are so just ridiculous like the the big one really and there's a, you know quite a few like crazy ones uh are the scene in the hotel room when he's fucking the waitress and also fighting everybody yes so that was the um, that was the part when I saw it for the first time on mushrooms where I lost my
0: fucking mind and I had one of those like DVRs back then so me and my buddy rewound that scene like three times cuz we could not believe what we were watching oh yeah yeah even to the part where it's like when he's already killed a bunch of people, and then he's on the floor with her, and he's still fucking her. And then they tase him, and it makes her cum. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. And just the whole, like, cigar-in-mouth, bottle of Jack Daniels. It's weird because it's so I thought... It's stupid and perfect. Yeah. It's so stupid and perfect. It's weird because, like, Nick Cage has always been in fairly good shape up until, like... I guess, super recently. And in this movie, he's just like wearing all black and he's all like covered up. But his, he has that like pill booze face at this Mm -hmm. period. So he looks like, like floppy, but he totally isn't. He should have, if I was the director, I'd have been like, show off those guns, dude. Because a few years later he did that movie, Joe, that Mm -hmm. I was going to close the series out with. And he's like yoked in it, but it's just like in this movie, he's just like so drenched in black. And you're just going off of those like crazy highlights that like, weird beard and that booze face you think he's
1: just like a mess his look in this movie is so amazing because he looks like so many of those guys that are the guys who you know used to rock you know used to be in the scene it's like the total burnout like those guys who just like were real cool shit like back in the day and now they're like you know about 60 years old uh you know maybe like late 50s but they're still rocking this like killer do and it like It's funny because it is both, like, so douchey and so awesome at the same time. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I totally loved his whole look. Apparently, also one of the reasons he wanted to make this movie was because uh, there's the scene, you know, later on when he gets his eye shot out. And apparently he wanted that in this thing I was reading, he had wanted to do a scene like that in a movie he had done previously. Something I, I also hadn't seen and was familiar with and he couldn't do it in that movie. And so he saw the opportunity to do it in this movie. He apparently, that was the selling point, I love uh, it, which I just love too. I'm just like, that's the thing is people like some of the reviews I was reading. People are like, Oh, Nicholas Cage just you know, needs another paycheck or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm like, I think he legitimately likes doing movies like this for sure. You know? It's not like – these movies are also not like – they're so crazy, but they're also so on a brand that it's like this is – it's not like he's desperate. It's like he's just like whatever. He is comfortable enough. He has enough money. He has his fucking – his Superman crypt. Then just this weird shit. It's like I'm just going to like do weird dumb shit that I have fun with. Um, Yeah. I think – yeah, he's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's really great in this movie. I guess
0: originally – he came into the director and he wanted his look to be uh, a shaved bald head with a giant tattoo on top. (laughs) And they like talked him out of that. And he was just like, okay. And then he came up with this other look, but it sounds like from what you read, especially with the later period stuff, like I I know a lot about that Joe movie that I thought we were going to cover. And like, he has a lot of input. He does not phone any of this stuff in. Like he comes in and he's, genuinely excited to be doing everything that he's doing and yeah yeah. these are not paycheck movies whatsoever (laughs) i mean we haven't seen all of the later period stuff but the ones that we do actually sit down and watch i mean mandy uh color out of space joe this one uh there's probably like a handful of other ones i've seen like yeah his like bit part and kick ass like He's really going for it, and they're great. They're always great performances. Something interesting yeah. about this film is there's, like, no rage cage
1: in this movie. He keeps it pretty chill. Yeah, he really does keep it... Like, everything else is so like heightened and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really need to. I think a lot of it is also, like, in the cars. And a lot of, like, that... Like, that stuff is just so crazy. And I also kind of... You know, in the, I would have... Fucking love to seeing this in 3D. Yes. Because I just love the just the super trashy like CGI 3D stuff because it's so over the top and just like even like when the credits open up mm-hmm. and it's just like, yes, like this is exactly what I need this movie to be. Yeah. Um, and just like everything's just so heightened to a degree where it's not even like I'm also surprised by a lot of the reviews, even you know, among the cult movie people um, who totally shit on it. You know, but it's also, like, there's so many movies that people like us and people in that community love that are total garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I love them, but, you know, there's, like, you know, really style, you know, really boring shit or really, like, bad acting or really, you know, like, it's all part of, it's part and parcel for watching these types of movies. Yeah. And this movie, it does it in that way that's funny because there is such a weird like, line that I think is, and maybe it's just, like, everybody has their own, like, uh tolerance to, you know, whatever that combination is, because there's some movies that do try to be, like, the cult movie, or they really try to, like, go all out there, and it just doesn't land, it's just, like, they're trying too hard, and it just, like, you just feel like it's too manipulating the, you know, whatever, and you just kind of resist it and, and i could see how maybe some people would see that with this movie but for me like this movie even his other like my bloody valentine there's something that he just kind of gets that i feel like totally just feels organic into what this kind of like trashy grindhouse movie should be he also like i know he had done stuff like he had been an editor before like he had worked with Wes Craven. He had done, he was the editor on like, uh, like new nightmare. And he'd done like a bunch of stuff for years. So I think that he is immersed enough into all these things, kind of like Rob Zombie in a way where, you know, like Rob Zombie, like the people who put in like the casting, like having Tom Adkins in that, that part, I think is, you know, it's great casting. It's just like a perfect, like, yes, Tom Adkins is exactly who I want to see in this movie right now. Um, you know, like if Dick Miller's not around, or like, you know, um, some of these people, like that was perfect. Yeah.
0: And in fact, so he uses know.
1: Tom Adkins yeah. in his uh,
0: latest directing thing called Trick that came out last year. I never heard of it. it stars Omar Epps and Jamie Kennedy. Ooh. Uh wow. Bummer. But I mean, his, yeah, his other direct, you know, he did The Prophecy 3 was his. Which Christopher Walken is in. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, he did the Prophecy 3 was his first one. They did Dracula 2000, which just got annihilated. I never saw it. And then he did the two sequels to that Dracula afterwards. Then White Noise 2, which I saw White Noise 1 with. I had nothing. I never heard of it. Okay, White Noise, I think, is the one with who is the. Got the young guy from I like how I have to go this far back. The young guy from The Right Stuff that was also in that movie you told me to watch with the science fiction where he's like hanging out with Homeboy on that planet for the whole movie. Dennis Quaid, yeah, it's a Dennis Quaid movie where he's like listening to like radio frequencies and he hears aliens. Wow. Um. I think that's the one. I remember that being... Oh, that's Frequency. Never mind. All right. Sorry, sidetrack. And then, yeah, My Bloody Valentine, Drive Angry, and then a couple um, television shit, and then Trick. So, yeah, not the powerhouse uh, that you would hope for, but all it takes is a couple good ones, and you're okay in my book. And, I yeah, I never checked out that uh, remake to My Bloody Valentine, but now with your recommendation, I totally will put it on in the next few days. probably
1: just like... You know, it even has, like, the the crazy, which he has in this movie, too, like, even the gratuitous nudity and just, like, those things that just, it felt, when I saw it, I think it came out in, like, 09. Yep, exactly. um, It really felt so much like a throwback to that type of movie, where it was just, like, had the things that just you you just didn't see in movies a whole lot at that point and kind of, like, died away. Um, And he also, like, even in that movie, like, the weird casting, like, Jensen Eccles, like, the kind of ex-teen heartthrob soap star uh, was the lead. And there's just these things that just felt like so on point with like what what did that movie just needed to be. I mean, it's not like it's different enough from the original. It's definitely not like, you know, comparing. But even in, uh, in the movie itself, it's supposed to be more like what had happened like, you know, 30 or 40 years, I guess 30 years after the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I totally had a good time with it. The one thing with this movie that I felt was kind of a wasted opportunity, because there is you know plenty of gratuitous female nudity in this movie, but in the end, when they have their big, um, you know, they're going to have the big sacrifice, and you have like, the naked women running around, but all the men are clothed. And I had worked in, you know, movies. There's this one movie I worked on in, like, 2006, and there's a lot of nudity. It was kind of like a you know, kind of a porn theme. But there's one scene that we needed a bunch of extras because it all was supposed to take place on a hippie commune. Mm-hmm. And we got so many... We had, like, old people, like, young people, but so many men all just, like, had no problems, just, like, showing up in the middle of the night in fucking Battleground, Washington to just, like, run around naked all night long. And so I know it's not hard to find men to be naked. I mean, probably not, like, your main lead star. Like, Nicolas Cage might not want to, like you know, pull his cock out. Unless you're like Harvey Keitel or like Ewan McGregor or somebody who like, I don't know, it's like their dicks probably have like SAG memberships. They're just out so much. <laughs> but I think that like that was one of the things I'm like, oh, you should just have just had like some fucking weird just naked dudes running around, just like whatever, worshiping Satan and about to, you know, sacrifice the baby. Yeah. Well, yeah, this movie, uh, The Last of a Dying Breed,
0: $50 million budget. So I don't really know what, the people financing
1: this movie thought was going to happen. But maybe because, like, about, you know, like Nicolas Cage, you, know, you have like, you know, some stars. I'm sure that, like, yeah, my buddy Valentine probably did decent enough money. You have 3D, you have like all these things that, you know, could tie in.
0: But yeah, it, it didn't. It, worldwide, it grossed 40, which, you know, they spend about like twice as much on the advertisement. So yeah, definitely lost money. But it's in syndication. So hopefully, hopefully it all evens out eventually because um, it sucks when something good like this just falls on the wayside and you're like, this is why they don't make stuff like this.
1: I know. But I mean, that's like so many, you know, especially. Yeah. I mean, that happens to so many movies. I mean, even like big, you know, like better movies, you know, like the thing or, you know, things that, um, you know, now we're like, Oh my God, that's such a classic or, you know, almost all purpose always movies in the eighties that people fucking worship. Now it's like big trouble. Little China. That was a bomb. Yeah, um, you know, just a lot of those. So I mean, that that kind of just goes along. It's also kind of you know part of the the tradition. Yeah, it's got to it's got to be like that. So I thought that um,
0: the look of the film the first time I saw it on mushrooms was it just looked weird to me. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, it must be the drugs. But then watching it now, I'm like, oh no, it's just maybe it's the 3D cameras or what. But it looks so weird, like it's really like high. Glossy, digitized, blown out, soap opera.
1: Oh yeah, well, with like, there's so much crazy compositing going on. Like, obviously, there is like, yeah, the 3D is one element, and I also kind of loved that weird look to it. Like, that almost kind of added to everything. Because even when they're in the cars and all the weird compositing, the backgrounds and stuff were uh, just so like just strange looking. And yeah, yeah I don't know. It, it totally for me. It just all of the over the top, just kind of like tackiness of it, really just mm-hmm. know, made it even more fun. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly what this is.
0: I think maybe they thought this was going to be a banger, not in the big cities, but more the the flyover, what you would call it, cities or, or states and stuff like that. It's more of like a blue collar. Like, yeah, it's just like there's ever Everlast's on the fucking soundtrack. It's it's made for a certain kind of people. You know, the more like the. The white trashiness oh, sure. uh, of, of of America, but yeah, apparently didn't respond. Okay, so let's talk about the rest of the cast. We've got uh, William Fichtner. know, I'm like I do Yeah, the, I think that's right. He's so great. Um, he's so great in this movie. Yeah, he, yeah, he plays the accountant. He's in a bunch of broy shit, uh, bad action movies, Adam Sandler movies. I've seen him in so many different things. The what? I always think of him as in contact. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I always think of him as like a poor man's version of Mayhem, the Allstate guy. Oh, I don't know. If you see any of those commercials where it's like the guy in this suit, he's always getting his ass kicked or whatever, but he like does he takes pain because he's Mayhem. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but uh, he that that actor who's Mayhem in Allstate commercials is also on Oz and Rescue oh, okay. Me. But anyway. There's another uh rescue me alum that he plays the short order uh cook in that shitty diner with uh Kenny Powers' girlfriend from Eastbound and Down. I love her, her their,
1: too. Uh, Katie me Kim. too. She's
0: so she
1: belongs in this movie. I wish she was in more of it, but no, I teachers come back or whatever. Like if they needed like to have some sort of I mean I, I, I always hate the comic relief character, but I almost want her to be like, whatever. Like the person that you know Piper's character has to keep like you know talking to that whole scene too. I mean, there's that scene when uh you know, well, hey, okay, we haven't even talked about her car or about any of the cars. Uh, but her charger is so fucking awesome. But when he takes her home or whatever to her fucking motel that she lives at or whatever, and it's like her gross fiance is fucking that woman to T Rex and they get in that creepy yeah. bite, You're like, what the fuck is going on?
0: Yeah. It kind of looks like out of uh, Alexander Payne's Sideways where Thomas Hane Church gets caught uh, fucking that fat chick by the husband and then he has to run away naked down the street. Mm-hmm. It's like she is, has to get like thrown out of the house naked and do all that and then whatever. But I do love, just to go back to the eastbound down chick again, oh, yeah. um, I love how horny she is. Oh, yeah. She is like just... Wanting it so bad. I I love that. That's great. Um, the short order crook is just that classic, like greasy, like gnarly, like sexual pervert. Uh, you know, that that diner doesn't have an HR, and we know why. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll talk about the other uh, cast characters. Uh, Billy Burke, who plays Jonah King, which is great yeah. because it's he's just that perfect, like pretty boy, slimy. Uh, I can see, like, a a group of minions, like, latching onto his, like, bullshit philosophies and thinking that he's a god. He's got, like, just enough for, like, idiots to follow. The crash,
1: sort of, like, you're kind of a hunk. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know what's great is we watched that movie um, Bad Times at the El Royale a couple years ago. What's up? No, he's not in it, but oh. I'm thinking of uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Hemsworth, who plays oh, like the God. cult leader. And you're like, nobody would follow this guy. This guy's a fucking <laughs> schlup. Like, he has no charisma or charm. He's just like, he looks like a Ken doll. And it's like, who shaves their entire body in the 60s? Like, this is stupid. But yeah, know. this this guy, I believe that he would have followers, especially in Louisiana.
1: But I even love what they introduced. <laughs> when they what? When he pulls out Nicholas Cage's daughter's femur, oh yeah, you're like, what the fuck? This guy is so well, crazy. That's my kind of cult yeah. leader. I love the uh, his introduction
0: where he's like, he gets his dick bit off, and then he like licks the blood after a like, you know, gets rid of. Him. I'm like, yes, what an awesome intro. Like, this guy's a bad guy. Um, I do like the accountant William Fitchner, How like you think like he's horrible, and he always kind of comes in at the end of a scene after like everybody has already like demolished it, and he's. He does his little, like, comic bit, which totally works. But also you find out, like, near the end of the film, like, he's not really that bad of a guy. Like, he's not really the bad guy in this movie at all. And I even love how he talks about the devil, where he's like, ah, eh, the devil is just kind of like a warden in, like, the, you know, the biggest prison ever made. And he's kind of a quiet guy, well read. And he, I love how he says that... Uh, uh, the devil hates when people sacrifice children in his name. <laughs> like he's just like <laughs> the devil's got like morals, which is so great. <laughs> but uh, okay, yeah, Tom Atkins. We briefly talked about him. We also got David Morse, who plays Nicholas Cage's boy, who gives him that Chevelle at the end of the film. He's a throwback that. to The Rock. They were both in that together, but he's in like every single like well, '90s action also, movie. Well,
1: he's also in Contact. <laughs>
0: He's also in contact too. Wow. Yeah, he's always, like, the sixth or seventh banana in, like, big budget movies. Yeah. Um, He's usually, he's also, like, usually that dad that's, like, that overproductive dad in movies where he's just like, my daughter's growing up and I don't like it. Like, he's, like, kind of that character actor too. He's used a lot in that. Okay. So, we also got Amber Heard as Piper. Um, Mm -hmm. She's fantastic, especially when... She picks up that guy in the bar by grabbing his bar rag, and then like makes him get naked because he thinks that they're gonna fuck,
1: but she just wants to get her nails done. Oh, I know that was so great. It's funny because like I was like, I wish she was this exciting in Magic Mike because <laughs> I would like her more. Yeah. Because um, yeah, he's just all yeah, just like badass.
0: I love it. Yeah, she's great. Uh, this is a weird fact and uh, super bizarre, but okay, so. The girl that plays Nicolas Cage's daughter in the film.
1: Like in the so, flashback?
0: In the flashback. So that mm-hmm. character had a daughter, and now she's an actress, and played Nicolas Cage's daughter in Color Out of Space. Whoa, that's crazy.
1: Isn't that crazy? Everything ties together. Hollywood's so incestuous.
0: Yeah, everything ties together. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up with uh, the cast. I want to talk about some of the soundtrack choices. Uh, I love when uh, Piper just, like, cruises out to Peach's Fuck the Pain Away. That's great. Definitely my favorite needle drop in the film. Um, That and T-Rex are the two best. With a what? That and T-Rex. Well, yeah, T-Rex is great. I love the end where it's, like, this weird like meatloaf like ripoff it's yeah it's not meatloaf it's so no. bad i looked it up
1: and it's nicholas cage's son that makes so much sense i tried cause I, I waited through the credits so i was like who is singing the song and it like it's funny because it's only like a part it's like a partial song it's not even a full because then it like goes into like yeah what fucking some other bullshit but it was like they it seemed like almost like a play setter, like maybe in when they were editing they had um you know like a uh, a subtract that was Meatloaf. Cause yeah, like Bad of Hell or like any like there's so many Meatloaf songs that would have totally fit perfectly with it. you know, like you get like what they're doing. Like, oh I get like this is the time for the Meatloaf song. But it's not. It's not and they, they kind of like So his name is it.
0: Weston Coppola. Um uh, oh. Nicolas Cage's son. And he does music, and I guess Nicolas Cage has tagged him on to a bunch of projects just to keep him busy, like, that he's been a part of. Like, when he does a movie, he's like, so my son's doing the score. Like, whatever. You're just like, oh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> that's also probably the kid that must be the kid that my friend Megan used to nanny, because she used to be the nanny for, I don't for yeah, Patricia Cat and Nicolas Cage. So that must be the kid she used to take care of. That but, is awesome. Uh, and, yeah, well...
0: Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's actually him singing. He might have just like composed the music for it because I know he's a. He does like you know, um, Jesus, not soundtracks, but like scores. So like maybe he he, yeah. he did all the arrangements or whatever. But I w- I want to picture him actually singing. I hope that it's oh, that's yeah. actually his voice, but. I couldn't find it. I can't find it on Spotify either. I was going to cut that into the end of this episode. But <laughs> you guys, if you haven't seen Drive Angry, you're fucking up. And if anything, that last minute and a half, when I was on Mushrooms, we rewound that so many times. We didn't even know it was real. We're like, we're this is not happening. Uh, we, yeah. we are like, this song is coming out of our like trippy brains. But nope, it's really <laughs> in the film. It's the best 90 seconds that this movie can end with. And I love how they're driving into hell at the end and it just looks so shitty but then they do it and then oh, it's yeah. over and then it's fade to black but then it comes up again and they do the credits and it's like this like red filtered thing where it looks like, like they're in Walmart like yeah like some lost highway and you're like, that looks fucking rad that looks that the credit sequence the title sequence looks better than them actually driving in the hell at the end of the film <laughs> I'm like they have like two different companies work on this but whatever and then the- All right, we gotta. We can do like some set pieces. Um, I've got to say that fucking the the giant RV chase is so good. And yeah, it's totally a call to um, chase the devil. Yeah, with the devil. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is such a great movie. But um, the yeah, some of the action sequences though, in general, like are, are pretty choppy. I know it's really hard to shoot action sometimes, and also like you know who knows if. They had the right stunt crews or whatever. Like some of the fights are just in like super slow motion, just to probably show off the 3D, but also to cheat the fact that like nobody oh, yeah. knows how to throw a punch. Um, yeah,
1: I love yeah I was seeing all the muscle cars fly around. But well, yeah, you have like the Charger uh, with the that black matte finish. It's just like one of the sexiest cars ever you have that Riviera that, like in the beginning you have like, there's just so many of these like really dope cars in the movie. Even like I don't even know what that car is. At the end when, um, the accountant like, you know, presents him with whatever Satan's car to get back to hell. Yeah, It's definitely, it's uh, a
0: 57 Chevy. Um, it doesn't, it, it's not it? a Bel Air. Uh, let me go. I actually have the cars listed. So, the four cars driven by Nicolas Cage in the film are a 1964 Buick Riviera, a 1969 Dodge Charger, a 1971 Chevy Chevelle, and a 1957 Chevy 150. Right. So, if you're a gearhead, yeah. just that right there made you blow a load in your pants. So,
1: definitely watch this movie. It's great that they're, like, actually sexy old muscle cars, and it's not, like, Fast and the Furious, Gross. like, new, whatever. Yeah. Um, That's why John that. Wick is so
0: cool. Like, John Wick... Mm-hmm with his, you know, especially in the second one. The third one, they kind of stray away from it, and there really isn't any kind of muscle car action in that film. But, I mean, he's riding a horse through Manhattan, so fuck it. Yeah, that's that kills everything. That fucking kills everything right there. Okay, so um, what else we got? The church scene is super weird. I love when they show up to that church, and everybody oh, yeah. just booby traps him. That the, the little hymn that they're singing is super bizarre. Yeah, some of these things are just set up so perfectly that like country western bar reminds me oh, yeah. of the one Bulls by the balls. Bowls by the this balls, yeah. One? It reminds me of the one that's in Lake Oswego or Tualatin outside of Portland. I went there once with my wife because she's a country music fan like a year or two after we moved up here in 2010 to Portland because we're just like, let's go country, line dancing. She likes that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Did the band have to sit behind a cage? I wish. No, there was no band. It was kind (laughs) of clubby. But it was like, imagine like a douchey club. But instead of like rap and R&B and top 40, it's just like horrible country. And like all the guys are just wearing like. Wranglers, but not in like that hot cowboy way, more in that like white trash way, and like half of the people are dipping, and like the chicks just look mm-hmm. like, you know,
1: beauty queen dropouts and shit like that. It's it's just a mess. I can get down like it's yeah, I, I think it's whatever. I mean, it makes the gay curator in me. Like, I want that Western bar to just be like exactly what I want it to be. And I want it to be kind of like Well, not even, like, Roadhouse, because, like, Roadhouse is still very, like, 90s and clubby. I mean, I guess that is what the thing is. You're, like, it's the hottest club in the fucking middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I want it to be, like, just sexy and rowdy.
0: It is rowdy, but... I mean, it got rowdy that night, but it was more in, like, the college frat boy way. Yeah, that's not what I want. It's not. It's not what you want, trust me. So, yeah, that was was a fail. Um, I think... We covered everything that I got. I mean, to go beat by beat, but we don't need to do... I mean, it's like... We don't. I mean, know? this was a movie that you just talk about, you know, talk about it like we did. I think we did a good job.
1: But to wrap it up, yeah, I, I totally went in. I can, you know, I can understand if you, like, are totally allergic to CGI or just terrible music or whatever, just like this. Is, Which I am. Gonna, but yeah, but I mean, like, the thing is, like, this movie is just so... I don't know. It's just... It's just a fucking good time. If it's if you want some, like, good, fun, stupid grindhouse movie, this is exactly what... This is, really is what that would look like now, you know? It's like, it, this is the best you can hope for, for that that level of just, like, insanity without being, like, super overly, you know, trying to be a throwback to something else, you know? Exactly. Know.
0: So when you do watch, like, a 70s or 80s film, I'm starting my horror kick a little early um, than the beginning of October because I just neglected it completely last year, and I've been watching a lot of stuff from the '70s and '80s, and it, a lot of it's really bad and not in a good bad way. Um, yeah. And it, and with the technology and like where it was and how they didn't have a budget or they just didn't know how to shoot it right or whatever. So like some of the violence is just like horseshit, and this movie is like, you know, it it's an updated version of that where it's like, what didn't really fly in this or what you know wasn't around in the 70s and 80s, like with CGI and whatever. Like, they're doing it on that same shitty level that they're digitally doing it today. And yes, I'll always take practical effects every day of the week over the former, but um, they're they're just like this is the new generation of like bad looking, and this is just what the new generation of bad looking looks like. But they're making something that's awesomely bad, and I can totally get down with it because it is just like but a real
1: thing. Bad shit, you know. Yeah,
0: it's just, it's like uh, David Lynch's um, new season of Twin Peaks: The Return. Like the CGI is so bad, but it's like almost stylishly cool. Where you're like,
1: yeah, yeah. And the thing too with like grindhouse type movies is people always hate them when they come out. It's like even you know in the '80s during the slasher boom, there were those people that were like, well, real horror is whatever, go back to, you know, whatever, you know, Universal or Hammer, you know, things that are maybe a little, you know, have nicer budgets or better stars or whatever, where there's all this, like, you know, like, low-budget shit coming out of nowhere, you know? And then a few, you know, decades later, people go back, and like, oh, but I love those movies. I read those in the video store, and, you know, whatever. And so, you know, all these things have, like, there's that certain thing where they... In essence, they're just kind of tacky and trashy and exploitative. <laughs> or exploitative, um, And that's exactly what this is. And it was just, I don't know, it hit me right. Loved it. Yeah. No, I dug it too. I'm glad you dug it. This was this was great to go back
0: and revisit. And I'm glad we did this. Although Joe might be an episode later on down the line, but we're going to need Dr. Thomas Chiapari for that one, who was uh, famously on our Tremors podcast. Check that one out. So, yeah, that'll wrap up the Rage Cage podcast on the free form. But if you want to switch to Patreon for $5 a month, you can get dozens of episodes that we have covered. And uh, this week's new episode is going to be a whole bunch of fucking Cage movies that uh, we didn't include in this series. And there's a lot to talk about. So something tells me that it'll probably be twice the length of this one that we're doing right here. Uh, (laughs) So where are we going next
1: after this series? Or do we even know yet? Well, we have a couple of little ideas. I think we have a couple, well, we have, yeah, we have a, a couple kind of loose things. I haven't, like, we'll we'll talk privately to figure out where, uh, what we're going to do. If we can slip in another series um, among some of these other little things we're going to do. But, uh, yeah, we will be back with some more dark shit. Yeah, so we've got October around the corner. And by the time
0: we post this, it'll probably be the beginning of October. So, um, I don't know if There's something wanted- horror going on. Definitely something horror going on, but I want to get people to jump on this right now that we are doing uh, in place of the Portland's Hollywood Theater's all-night horror movie marathon that we've been attending for countless years now. With uh, For obvious reasons, they will not be doing it this year in 2020, yeah. so we are going to do our own, and we are going to let you guys at home, or wherever you're listening to this on, um, in on... The shit. So we're gonna devise um, probably like four to six movies, maybe even eight. I don't know. Uh, we're each gonna pick one from a certain category that we're gonna we're gonna come up with, and then we're gonna have a slate in the movies. We're gonna watch them on a certain date, which we'll let you know. And then we're gonna have the actual episode up of us recapping everything that we watched on our horror movie marathon together on Halloween, October thirty first. And I'm saying that on this podcast that it'll make me have it ready by then so I can't back out now so October 31st there's gonna be a megapod of like four to eight movies that we're all gonna that Derek and I are gonna watch in one day or one night and then uh, we're just gonna talk about but we'll let you know that slate as soon as we figure it out so maybe you can keep score at home and uh, get with it too and it'd be great to hear some feedback if anybody does do our horror movie marathon but yeah we'll be putting it on blast for the weeks to come leading up to it because we've never done anything like this before and i think it'll be a lot of fun yeah cool all right well so until then Mm -hmm. let's keep it purely casual bye